Sons of the Heart podcast, episode number 11, second installment of two. Uh, it would probably be useful if you go back and watch the first one. It'll make more sense. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, this is just pretty much the follow-up in the... I could probably wrap it up kind of quick. This is what's going on right now. This is just a little, uh, you know, cutscene. I had some uh, some B-roll footage. Um in the first installment, um, I pretty much just explained that I was hunting a new piece of property. I planted a food plot. Um, it was kind of the follow-up to Ghost. It was an attempt to kind of uh, increase my odds for harvesting a deer that showed up, I think it was in, like November 23rd, and it was a, a deer worth hunting. Right. So uh, this is kind of just the continuation of that. Uh, just uh, kind of, I don't know, just <laughs> my lumbering around the food plot here. But uh, I have, uh, these were some bucks that were hanging around in the area. I actually never ended up seeing any of these deer in the woods. I don't know what happened once they rubbed their velvet, but. It kind of happens, you know, you get a bunch of deer kind of hanging around the area, you get them all on trail camera, and then they disappear. I mean, yeah. I've had that a hundred times, yeah. man. Yep. And that was that was one that I actually had hard horned on, on trail camera, and I have no idea what happened to him. Right. Never saw him again. Yeah, you get him on film every once in a while, and all of a sudden uh, a deer shows up that you've never had a picture of, and all of a sudden, which you is, know, which is exactly what what ends up happening here. And this is this is just kind of the intro to the story of the 2015 season. I know you saw the the logo MMXV which was a logo designed by my buddy Brian Filarski that was going to be a short film, and we turned it into this. Yeah. So that logo was too cool to not use. Absolutely. So. I love it. It's a cool way of, you know, uh, you know, uh, saying it's a 2015 season, you know what yeah. I mean? But uh, what's going on here, this is the shelf that I had the pictures of that nice deer from Ghost. From Ghost, right. And this was the only tree on that shelf that I could pretty much hunt out of and the shot was straight down, as I was talking about in that first clip, mm -hmm. that, that intro clip. And uh, this is actually a little bit out of s the sequence of the timeline of how this film goes. This is later in the season. We're looking at the end of October. Right. This might actually even be in November. And I hadn't planned on shooting a doe that day. But uh, the the opportunity, you know, presented itself, and I actually had to be to work by like 11:30 we were pouring concrete that right. day and uh the way this played out it i just it was one of those things i had to tag and it was you you don't get um mature dough like this walking right under your stand every right. day so it was a good opportunity um i i don't pass up easy venison you know, and that's it. Like and you said, even in the last podcast about how a lot of the things that trigger you to harvest is situational. Right. You know, right. so you, you just, they come in the right spot. They present that perfect opportunity. It's hard to pass that up. Yeah. And the other thing that was, that made me super inquisitive about this was the, the whole angle of the shot, sure. which is something that was a concern to me right at the beginning. And uh, this is essentially straight down. Yeah. Like I said, I I, I wish I could figure out the angle of it, mm -hmm. but I mean, it is. 
about as close to 90 degrees as I think. Yeah, you it's can pretty get. steep. I mean, you had the the camera mounted on your bow. It's pretty much you skylined against a blue sky, so you know right. it's a pretty straight up and down shot. But yeah, it's that's a that's a real tricky shot too. Um, especially you know you look at a 40 yard shot versus a one yard shot. It's there's the difficulty levels are pretty equal there. Right. Uh, you know, a lot yeah. of people think you're just going to line up your 20 yard and let it rip, but uh, yeah. that's not really the case. Yeah, and I know a lot of people have that tendency to just take all their pins mm-hmm. and just okay, as long as it's all brown on the pins, yeah. then I'm good. <laughs> but uh, like I said uh, earlier, I tend to use my 30 yard pin right in that situation. So. Like I said, that was a little bit out of sequence um, just because that was later. So the story that is going to unfold now was already going on. Right. It had already so, happened previous to this uh, this clip. So uh, just to bring us back to the last episode, um, that was October 15th that I passed up that the uh, – it's like a two-and-a-half-year-old nine-pointer in the food plot – first night that I sat there so two days later October 17th it's a it's a Saturday and we had a cold front moving in so what I chose to do was sit at the top of the mountain in the morning you know you sit higher up in an elevation for rising thermals that's it. You got a front coming in like that, man. It's going to wreak havoc on your wind directions, and it can really cause a swirl. So, yeah, by by hunting the top property or top piece would probably be a good idea. And the whole reason that I put a food plot in was unfolding. Yeah, how about that? In front of an empty tree stand. And, uh, yeah, it's you, you look back on it, and the, this is the kind of thing that will drive you crazy. Sure. This is, you know, trail cams are a blessing and a curse. I know, right? But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, in a situation like this, it's hard to describe if you're angry and regretful for not sitting in the stand mm-hmm. or, in. I mean, who knows what the wind was like down, that, that food plot stand was tricky because of it, it the way it kind of sat at the bottom of a, like a ravine. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it could have been a, a completely different uh, result if you were sitting in that stand. I mean, you might have educated that deer. He uh, he might be there because I'm not there. Right, you know? right, and right. Like I said, that you always have to consider why something didn't happen. No, you're absolutely you know I mean? right. You can't get hung up on it too much. I mean, you know, because if you have one stand you're hunting out of, well, then it's easy decision, right. you know. But if you've got right. multiple stands, I mean, you're always going to, especially if you're having a slow sit, you start thinking maybe I should have sat on the other part by the apple tree or right. what have you. And, you know, you always have that seed of doubt, you know. Right. And uh, for the people who are listening, <laughs> I should probably describe what we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> not a bad idea. So I chose to sit uh, at the top of the mountain and down in the food plot, I had probably a 130-inch nine-pointer. Indeed. Rubbing a tree, working a scrape. He just hung around for probably 10 minutes in the exact same spot that this, that little nine-pointer mm-hmm. worked. Right. And yeah, it, from the it last was, episode there. Yeah. This was the reason that I put this camera on video right here was I 
was planning on putting an arrow through a deer working that spot. Right. You know, that corner was just, I, I could tell I have videos from when I was putting the food plot in explaining that that corner was going to be an important piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. just because of all the rubs right next to each other. You could tell the ground was scraped up. It was, it was, I, I called it as, you know, cliches. It sounds like the hot corner, mm-hmm. which is essentially what it was. I mean, I just had so many pictures of Buck going, hitting those scrapes, rubbing those trees. It was just nonstop. It was just yeah. a hub. But uh, I was fortunate enough to record my reaction <laughs> the day after. That's about right. Yeah, yeah. Sunday, Biting your knuckle, yeah. So on Sunday, I obviously, you know, ran to that trail camera because I I had to see. And sure enough, that's, that's what you found. That's exactly what happened. And it's... Yeah, that, that comes back around to are they a blessing or a curse? I mean, they're more a blessing than anything. I mean, you know, they're, trail cameras are, are a great tool when you need them. Uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, you, you said it before, uh, some of the other properties you have, you don't really have a lot of cameras out. But you've, right. you've been on the property a number of times. You get it. You understand, you know, where the travel routes are. You've already got stands hung. You know, the work is pretty much done uh, on those properties. Um, you know, the, the property I'm hunting over the hill here, it's uh, it's trickier because I hunt it in the past, but things change. So you know, I'm just trying to figure out the travel routes again. I mean, you can walk through and find rub, you know, deal trails everywhere, but where's the highest concentration of deer? Right. And right. that's what's that's what I'm really using them for. I mean, I'm not, you know, I used to leave a trail camera there for months. Now yeah. I'm leaving them for three weeks and moving them. Yeah. I'm just trying to find a concentration to where I can narrow down a spot to, you know put a couple of dough in the freezer, you know, and maybe I, while I'm out there hunting, that's when I can do a little recon yeah, and see if I see, you know, bucks in the area. Maybe I'll luck out and one will just walk underneath me. You know, I'd rather be lucky than good as they say, but yeah. Um, yeah. you know, well, I mean, that's, we had that discussion earlier. I, I think before we turn the, the microphones on at, you know, 12, 12 o'clock at night, yeah. which is what we did. But <laughs> Yeah, I've got, you know, th- this property that we're currently talking about where I don't really put cameras in. I probably should. It's a huge piece, but from the couple years that I've had cameras there, I know where I have to be. Right, right. You know, I know where where the buck are going to run during the rut, and I know where the doe hang out, and it's it's kind of easy. Just because it and, – and actually because it is so big, it's easier to narrow down the spots where the deer hang out. Right, right. As – backwards as that kind of sounds no no i i know what you mean um you know it's where i'm at over the hill here it's i think i've got just under 90 acres uh i have a friend of mine who's got 160 that we hunt on and that's a much bigger piece and it's really tough to to peg them but you know we've been doing a lot more work on that property in regard to adding bedding and giving them cover and giving them stuff like that because the food is there to keep them local that's it you know the food's there but you know that that's only good for you know right at first light or last light because they're betting elsewhere coming to the food or leaving the food so you know now it's getting a little bit easier to peg them down because they're staying on that property so it's not taking them as long to get to where you think they're going to be yeah so and and that's kind of the way that you know i'm looking at trail cameras now it's just they're a better tool for like you said pegging them down right you know I, i don't need to have them at on properties that I I know what's going mm-hmm. on like like that that one farm that I hunt all the time 
I don't need to put a camera there. Right, it, right. If anything, it's more just to get content, just to get a picture of a nice buck. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll put it there during the rut. I don't need to put them there now. What I'm doing now is pretty much keeping all the cameras behind my house and trying to figure out this new piece of property. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just – and this is actually a more systematic, I guess, use of trail cameras because I'm doing process of elimination on each trail – trying to figure right, out right. which one they're going to come through because it's a, it's a pinch point, but it's kind of a wider, it's more of a travel corridor sure, sure. rather than a pinch point. So just trying to nail down where they, they move through. Like like we were talking about earlier where you've got that that one area yeah. that deer walk through, but they don't walk through it in any sort of pattern. Organized fashion, yeah. yeah. It's an open area where they'll pass through. So to try and hang an archery stand there is tricky. I mean, you want to hunt rifle there? Yeah. Perfect, because you know they're coming off from right. all different angles. But, you know, you got you got to really narrow it down based on your strategy. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you yeah. mean. You know, yep. uh, you know the, the whole, uh, you know, when you're done, when the nail's in the wood, you put the hammer away. You know, it's kind of the same kind of uh, analogy for it. Yeah. Um, but exactly. just, you know, when you're trying to find a concentration of deer, that's when they become a really, you know, valid tool. Right. Uh, unless, you know, some people collect baseball cards, other people collect pictures of deer. So yeah. if it's a hobby for you, man, knock your socks out, put them yeah. all over the place and leave them there, you know, but if you're trying to, if it's a different objective, like trying to find a higher concentration of deer, well, I'm, I'm moving the cameras around. I'm trying to find where they're, I mean, I've got a lot of pictures of deer, but get a family group here and there and you know there yeah. might be two days where you don't see anything in that yeah. area so i'm moving them around to where i see something on the daily uh yeah. you know so I, i'm yeah, real good at fi- figuring right. out where they're not yeah yeah yeah, yeah no likewise <laughs> but anyway so after i i got this footage of this this deer essentially taunting me mm-hmm. i uh you know as anyone would i kind of became enamored and i uh i just said all right well, I got to concentrate on this. He seems really killable based on the information that he gave me there. I mean, it was October 17th. It was the middle of the month. Middle of October. The uh, the uh, <laughs> quote-unquote October lull. Yeah. It was uh, on the front end of a cold front. It was 41 degrees. It wasn't super cold. Mm-hmm. And he was on his feet, quote-unquote feet, right, right. at... 9:30 in the morning. Yeah, that goes and, against everything that is normal with deer hunting. Yep. You know what I mean? So and and that's it. You're lucky so, they I get mean, it sometimes. He got away with one there and I thought, all right, well I got I got to get back in this area because, you know, it, there's got to be something going on, maybe a, a, an early doe or, or something yeah. like that. So I got back there on the 19th. It was a good cold day and that's when this happened. And for the people on the podcast, this is how how do how do you even explain this? This is uh, this is a deer that I should have shot. Right. Looking right. back now, and thinking about what I originally set out to do, this was the deer that was placed in my lap. Sure. Sure. Well, there's two schools of thought with this. Uh, there's a lot of people that are going to look at that and go, "Man, I shot that deer all day." Yeah. Uh, and other people are going to look at it and go, mm, no, I, I understand. Now, there was uh, a bit of an occurrence that happened right when this 
before this. Right, Correct. before that deer came so, out, right? So right here, he's out of breath. You could actually see the steam coming out of his nose. You could right. see his chest expanding. He just got uh, done fighting with another buck, and I believe that other buck was the one on the camera. Right. I, I never got a good look at him, but, I mean, this is a mature deer. His, All day. His yeah. antlers might not say it, and, uh, you know, I, I just sat there in my normal state of indecision, mm -hmm. which is pretty much where I live, and uh, I just, you know, I hesitated. And looking back, you won't the the point is to kill a mature deer most of the time. You right. know, that's that's kind of the place that I'm at in my hunting career. I I want to kill, you know, as mature deer as possible. Sure. The the most mature deer that could present itself is the one you should take and in a way it feels irresponsible that I didn't do you, do you know Well, you know the the what the fact that you heard those tier, those two deer fighting up on the hill and yeah. you had a really good suspicion that it was the deer you were after. Yeah. I mean that plays a huge factor in the decision that you made. You right. Know? So right. I mean I get it. I mean I he's, you could definitely tell that deer was making good use of the food plot you put up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He had a gut on him for yeah. sure. He looked like a sausage. Yeah. But uh, you, you know if you're thinking that maybe this other one's going to come back down that field and chase him off, well then you're going to get a shot at the deer that you kind of had a that was your goal. Yeah. You know what I mean? For yeah. that season. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think it was a poor decision by any means. I know what you're saying. You know, when you have something like that fall in your lap. Yeah. It's hard to, it's and hard I, to let that let that go. But Yeah. It was, you know, it, it had its pros and cons. I mean, it was mm -hmm. it was a 38-yard shot. I, I knew I, I had ranged that juncture mm -hmm. in those two trails. Sure. And that was about 30, 40, somewhere right there. I mean, I... I I know I could have made that shot. Right. And the way he was, you know... Uh, it's kind of lethargic. He was exhausted yeah, at that yeah. point. I don't think he would have even jumped. Yeah, right, yeah. But, you know, know I mean? shoulda, woulda, coulda. I mean... And, was... and that's it, you know. And just like earlier in the sequence when you shot the doe, you weren't planning on shooting a doe that day. Right. But the situation arose and it triggered something in you to say, I'm going to shoot this doe. Yeah. So, you know, long story short, nothing triggered you there. So right. that's probably not a bad thing. You know what I mean? And you, and honestly, you know what? If that buck were working that scrape in front of me mm -hmm. and I had more time and I thought about it, it it sure. might have been different because, it I mean. a different situation for you. You could see my, my reaction right here. This is right after it happened because I thought I had the GoPro on while he was in front of me and I didn't. Mm. And then I turned it on. And uh, you could see that I'm still kind of indecisive sure like I, I i i i think i said i i don't know what just happened yeah well rightfully so because i mean it was a good deer yeah you know um it, it's it's a hard one to pass up but again you know a lot of factors played into the decision that you made yeah so you know i don't fault you and it, and it's it's one of those things where you, you look back and you you think about it and you can't progress if you don't make mistakes and and i don't even want to consider it a mistake I, i'll just call it a learning experience sure you know i mean that's that's that intangible experience and it's oh absolutely it's, it's extremely hard to describe it it's all situational and it's all about how your body reacts and if it's going to work sure and i just i guess i just you know i made the decision there 
that it wasn't going to work or it wasn't right. Right. Th that whole sequence that played out is going to have an impact on a future decision, no doubt. Um, and that's just kind of how you have to take it. You know yeah. what I mean? There's going to be yep. times where you go, man, I shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? And then another situation is going to come up and you're not going to do it. Yeah. Or, uh, man, I really let I let that one slide, man. I'm yeah. probably kicking myself for not doing that. And then you get presented with another opportunity, sometimes within moments of the first one. Right. And you're like, I'm not letting this one slide. Right. You know, I'm not going to pass up on this opportunity. So, you know, it, everything that we do in the woods, it plays a factor into how we grow and how we grow not only as sportsmen and hunters, but how we grow as people. True. Um, so, yeah. you know, it, 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 you didn't shoot that deer. Maybe you should have. Well, you're going to maybe you're looking for a car. Man, I sh I'm not passing this deal up. You yep. know what I mean? And yeah. even though it's something completely polar opposite, yeah. it's that learning experience that kind of plays yeah. into. Yeah, exactly. It plays into uh, your everyday life. You know, like I'm not giving I'm not going to I'm going to put a bit on this house or, you know, I'm going to I'm not going to sleep on this job that was offered to right. me. You know, anything like that. So, you know, in the grander scheme of things, uh you know, some of the some of the things that we learn um, in the woods can translate into our everyday life and help us make better decisions that way. I mean, yeah. in my case, it's with parenting. I mean, I I see a lot of parallels um, with yeah. how I treat my kids and True. how I you know conduct myself uh, in the outdoors. So it could definitely uh, make a positive impact on decision making. I Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because you're going to make a lot of you're going to make enough wrong ones. That's for sure. You do it. You yeah. spend enough time in the woods. Yeah. You're going to make wrong decisions. You know. And, and, and if you're going to make a wrong decision, it might as well be there. Sure, know? sure. And, and and that's where you have a good opportunity to, to learn from it. You know, uh, it's I know it, it's been said a million times, but uh, you know, the first time I heard it, it really made an impact on me. Is if you don't learn from your mistakes, they weren't worth making. Right. And you know that that kind of echoes through the whole topic you yeah. know what i mean if you don't learn from the mistake that you just made it wasn't worth making yeah you know i've made poor shots on animals where i mean it had such a huge impact on me that you know i i, I really think long and hard before i draw even draw my bow on an animal anymore you know because right. of that instance and that instance may have saved me from making a poor shot or have making me make a, a poor decision in my finances or make it you know right. however you want to look at it right but, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's, a, yeah, it's, I don't, know, I don't want to get off on too much of a yeah. tangent on that, but yeah. it's, that's just, you know, that's the reality of it. Yep. But I mean, that, that was, that happened pretty much immediately the next time I was able to hunt that, that food yeah. plot, which I, I mean, it was clearly still, uh, hot for lack of a better term. Right, right. So I knew that those the deer were still in the area, and after that, I think that probably one of the factors, like you said, that contributed to that decision was I thought that that other deer was in the area. Right. And, and without a doubt, you know, it wasn't the deer that, you know, was painted in my mind. I'm still thinking about him in, in front of me working that rub. Right. And then... It, well, that's it. It just didn't click. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And you did have a bit of an uh, advantage uh, in your favor. Because I'll tell you, there's very few things that get me excited more than a front, a weather yeah. front that's oh, coming yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, whenever I see that, man, I'm looking to, I'm like, should I call off of work? I mean, I got some sick days in my bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what right? I mean? I yeah. start really getting the gears going. Like, we got a cold front coming in. 
I want to be in a tree yeah. because I've seen so many cool things come from a cold front coming yeah. in or moving out yeah. uh, or whatever. I mean, that sway in barometric pressure, I mean, that really has a huge impact and it can, can it can create a, an extraordinary opportunity yeah, for that you. Yeah, was, that was rising mercury, 29 inches and rising in that. I mean, honestly, those, that Browning trail camera I have is Unbelievable. That is pretty cool. I was looking at that earlier when we were looking at some footage. I was like, man, that's an awful lot of data you got streamed across the bottom of that image. It's it's so strange, though, and I will say this. I bought two more Brownings after that one because mm -hmm. of that footage is just stellar. It, it really is good. Full 1080p, unbelievable. And I bought two, I think there was a deal on Amazon that was supposed to be the same camera, and they just don't have the same quality right. footage i don't i don't know what happened but that one camera is by far my favorite camera yeah so i will recommend that but anyway getting off on another tangent um <laughs> so essentially how the rest of that season played out because of that that footage from that trail camera was me kind of jockeying back and forth between the top of the mountain and the bottom of the, mountain, the food plot mm -hmm. because i knew at one point that shelf where all those rubs were from Ghost, that was going to heat up again. Yeah. Because that's clearly a breeding ground up there. Right. So, you know, I spent a lot of time up there. And honestly, I never laid eyes on a really mature deer up there. I know from the trail camera footage I got that they were up there. Right. But I personally never saw one. I, I, I had opportunities at some younger deer. There was a, a pretty decent, you know, like six-pointer maybe like mm -hmm. 16 inches and there was like another like five pointer and uh i think that that nine pointer that i passed up he ended up on top of the mountain and eventually that deer ended up on top of the mountain right. again i ended up hunting rifle season up there and i almost shot a buck the first day with the bow but uh <laughs> i was wearing boot blankets on my yeah. feet because it was freezing and I tried to maneuver in the stand, and I ended up having an opportunity to shoot him in the neck with the rifle after he bounced back about 50 yards, and I passed it up. I I, I don't think that he was more than two and a half. And, uh, right. But, you know, to, to harvest a, a buck uh, with your bow during rifle season is kind of a, a cool thing. Uh, yeah. I've only hunted rifle season a few times with my bow, uh, mainly out of opportunity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I hunt some properties where you, you can't bring a rifle on that property. They just, the landowners aren't cool with it. So you got to hunt archery. Yeah. But doesn't mean you can't archery hunt during rifle season. True. You know, you still have True. to wear your orange and you have to apply. I mean, oh, yeah. you can't go shooting a doe because obviously reasons you have to follow the season guidelines that the rifle season puts forth. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of a, a cool situation to, to so yeah, to, to make a bit of a compromise, uh, to shoot a, 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 a buck during rifle season with your bow, I'd, yeah, I'd probably do I was, the same thing. I was so close, too. That was the real deal, that encounter, because he, he, wasn't, he wasn't bumped from anywhere yet. Right. And there were a couple doe in the area, and I, I grunted at him, and he, he responded. He was coming in. He was 45 yards behind some, some brush. And that's when I was starting to move around to get the camera. I never even got the camera on him. And he heard the the boot blankets mm -hmm. just pros and cons, man. Rubbing. Pros and cons. Yep. Yeah, they keep your feet warm, but yeah, they're a little yep. bulky. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have footage of that deer. Obviously, though, he was kind of hanging around there. But 
yeah, that's kind of how the season played out, and I ended up uh, kind of watching the sunset on that season there, and that was uh, that was it. And it, it was all kind of you look back, and I I feel like I was just kind of tracing or tracing uh, chasing, you know, mm-hmm. trail camera pictures essentially, sure. and it's. I don't know if it was worth it. I don't know if I was making the right decisions or if I was just trying to make them, you know, based on footage or if I, if where I was making mistakes, but I mean, that's essentially what it came down to just chasing right. one deer back and forth. And well, I'm not much of a betting man, but I'm willing to wager that a lot of those decisions that you made in the 2015 season, uh, translated into the 2016 season. Yeah, you oh, know? absolutely. It, yeah. It kind of goes back to how, what we were talking about earlier about, you know, learning from the, uh, and again, we're not really using the term mistake, uh, learning from the decisions you make. Uh, right. You know, and whether right. you feel they were the, the correct decisions or not, you know, you learn from that and it, and it influences the way you react to the, the very next scenario that kind of pops up your way. Right. Yeah. And uh, the 2016 season, which will uh, probably be chronicled in the next mm-hmm. installment here, that's when I, I was a really good storyline opens up and uh yeah i'm excited to to start telling that one i mean this the way this season played out i i look back on it and i'm looking through all the footage and and it's so vivid and it just it it just brings me right back into archery season i remember just like you know foaming at the mouth like this is the day i know it i know he's gonna come by this today is the day i have that that conversation myself a dozen times a season this is yeah. the day i this know it. it i can feel yep. it in my bones you know and you, and you look back on it and i i think about all the like you know lackluster i i've got so much footage of just like super windy just gray yep. days where i'm sitting there and wondering what i'm doing and i don't know just... and, and that's it you know it, when you single those scenarios out yeah you know what i mean it's it's a whole lot different than when you compound that all those scenarios from an entire season together because when you look at it that way it doesn't feel like an unsuccessful season because right. you compound all those experiences all those wet days those cold days all the things that you've experienced and you put them all together into one you know seasonal experience you're like okay so this is what i'm going to do next year yeah you know and, and again it, i kind of going back to the whole decision making process but that's the reality of it I yep. mean, you learn and that's how we learn and you know you become a better woodsman you become a better yeah. sportsman a better hunter i mean your woodsmanship skills uh, you know it's how you walk in the woods you know how you set your stand and you start to learn where the wind is moving on a windy day the wind comes this way on a still day the wind's coming downhill you know what right. i mean so there's there's really no such thing as an unsuccessful season in my opinion yeah that's true you know it's just you know how far did you how close did you come to your goals that's yep. it you know what i mean you may not reach your goals but you if you fell just a little bit short, you still had a pretty good year. Right. That's it. And and just coming away with that mentality just makes you a better person in general. Absolutely. It's gonna, Absolutely. It's going to do – it's going to just, mm-hmm. you know, move you ahead in strides in, Absolutely. in life. Just having that mentality just as far as, you know, pursuing a career or just, you know, a relationship, anything, always having that, you know – Glass has, glass has full, glass has full. That's it. I think we better wrap up this first yeah, right? half. But yeah, no, it was good. You know I, what it, I'm saying. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it, 
that's it. You, you take you take the experiences you can from it, and you do the best you can with what you've got. You know what I mean? That's it. When you spend too much time focusing on bag limits and inches of horn, it takes away from the whole learning experience and the retrospect of, of what you've experienced. So you know when you when you when you first start hunting, that's kind of what happens. You know what I mean? You you, you focus. I got to get a deer this year. If you yep. don't get a deer, it's a fail. I didn't I didn't get a deer this year. But that's the natural progression of the hunter. You yeah. know what I mean? And as you get older and you mature a little bit more, it becomes it becomes less about the harvest and more about how much you've grown as an individual, you know, when you're out in the woods. So, right. uh, yeah, man, that was, uh, I think that's a pretty good takeaway from that whole sequence is uh, not so much on what you put on the ground, but what you put in your mind. That's true. That is true. With that, we will wrap up the first half and we will come back and... Find something to talk about in the second half, and we always do. Yeah, yeah, it won't be too tough, I'm sure. No. So, all right, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Yes, sir. We're back, and our glasses are half full. Indeed. Actually, they're, they're completely full now. And <laughs> you're probably like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to the first half, it does. <laughs> that was awesome. Glass ass full. That's good. That's good stuff. That's that's not T-shirt fodder. I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah, and we, <laughs> we didn't even do the beer review yet. <laughs> the scary part of the whole thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in t- checking this out. This is, uh, was it Animatter from Stone? Uh, yeah. Stone 22nd anniversary? 22nd anniversary beer. Man, that's a while they've been around. Yeah, it, it blows my mind. And it's got it's got a pretty cool story behind it and how it's uh, how they actually do this, how they pick their anniversary beers. Oh, is, that's uh, actually really good. Oh, yeah. It's, well, I, I jumped I, ahead I, of you, I think. I, I don't know... <laughs> If I've ever had a stone that I like, yeah, said, yeah. no, this is terrible. I, I don't, I just don't think it's it's a thing. Every beer I've had from them is absolutely delicious, and I feel like it's kind of the same way with Lagunitas before they sold their, you know, their billion dollar company. Right. But, I didn't even know they sold. Yeah, they sold out to I think it was Heineken that bought them. Oh, no kidding. But I mean, their beer is still still great. Right. Yeah, I got a romantic relationship with Stone. That was my first IPA, so. You named your son after it, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> no, but, Pay attention, uh, Stone Brewing. Yeah. Hashtag named my kid after you. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, it's cool how they did this is that they have an internal brewing contest in the company. Oh, no kidding. And the winner gets the anniversary. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Really that's real cool. cool. And, uh. I know the the one guy's name on the the brewing team that won is Jason Smith and Jose Flores, and I think that it's like floral hops that were used in the inevitable adventure. And I'm wondering if there's some kind of connection between this the guy Jose Flores and the the brew the brewmasters and the floral hops. Maybe if maybe he grew them or, or maybe it's his signature and how he does it. Yeah, but this beer is pretty delicious and it actually follows up 
the beer that we drank in the first half mm-hmm. of the podcast. Would you believe we were drinking in the first half of the podcast? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it. I I wasn't sure how I was gonna follow follow up. It's not bad. It's a lot. It's you can definitely tell this one's filtered. Mm-hmm. Uh, no question. Yeah. Compared to the uh, what was it the the Fear Lions Fear uh, Movie Lions Fear Movie Lions, which is right now one of my favorite beers. I think that beer is so delicious. It's funny. I started seeing it pop up all over the place after yeah. I, I saw it at one of the convenient over there in Simpson. Yeah. Uh, it's CFM only or whatever. And the, the the cool thing about that is that's only brewed at their their uh, their Virginia brewery. I think it's Richmond, Virginia. Okay. They have one there, and the way that beer was named. It, there's an app, I think it's called Three Word or Three Words or something okay. like that, and it's based off of GPS coordinates, three GPS coordinates, and it randomly assigns a word to the GPS coordinate, and that coincides with their brewery. Okay. So the three words that coincide, fear, movie, lions, and that's how. Well, how about that? Yeah, I've been making some posts on you know Instagram about uh, you know some of the beers that I've been trying, and and I think I hashtagged fear movie lions and hashtag I have no idea what the hell that means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, that's that's kind of how it works. Most people don't know what's going on with that beer. Yeah, but... it was an it was interesting for sure. It caught my eye, and I'm like, why not grab a grab a box of it, bring it home, and besides give it the a fact try. that it's just an awesome beer. Yeah, it's really that, good. That beer is just so good, but. I mean, this one is also really good. It's in very limited supply. We're, we're lucky to even have this. How about that? See yeah. that? The, the place I picked up from uh, the Beer Express in Lennoxville only had, what was it, like four six-packs they, mm-hmm. were, they were given? No kidding. Something like that. So You got to slip that guy 20 or something like that to put stuff on the side for you? Or, I got yeah. connections. Mm-hmm. I, I, know, I know people. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this beer... Unfiltered, I I think that it's for a, a beer that I don't find immediately like citrusy mm. or like fruit forward as they would say. I think this is more hop forward and it's kind of dry. But for being a a beer that is a nine point one percent alcohol, yeah, it does yeah. not have any kind of boozy. No, taste no, it or doesn't. Alcoholic it doesn't. bite. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's again. It definitely can get a little dangerous. Yeah, again, I mean, from, from stone, just like so smooth. Yeah, it really know? is. It's good. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's pretty. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, you'll probably not be able to find it uh, based no. on Mark's evaluation. I, 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 I doubt it. I, I highly doubt it. But nonetheless, it's good. So neener, neener, neener. Yeah, they went to the lengths to produce a sticker that just says "limited" to stick right on the neck of it. Yeah. So. So. I mean that kind of says it all. Oh, in in, uh, in moderation. Uh, I mean, I think was it, we had the uh, the Kuyu on last podcast. Yeah, yeah. that was really good. Again, also hard to get. Yeah, also hard to get. Um, I messaged them. I'm trying to get some myself. Yeah, good luck um, with that. Yeah, no, it's not going well at all. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, some of these beers, they they're you know they're smooth and they're like you said, not that boozy, that boozy uh-huh. aftertaste. Um, they go down pretty smooth, which equates to going down quick, which then equates to going zero to how many coyotes can you fight in <laughs> 20 minutes of a podcast. <laughs> zero to glass half full. Glass half full, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we got to kind of pace ourselves a little bit. But it, they're, like, again, you know, they're they're good sipping beers. You know, it's not something you want to beer pong with, you know what I mean? No, or uh, no. flip oh, cup, you know what I mean? This is That'll no. definitely knock your socks off, but... To sit around and have a conversation, hang out on the porch, what have you. It's definitely uh, yeah. 
a, a good beer. But and yeah. the uh, so I, I always try to kind of describe what it tastes like because I mean, as far as our reviews go, we never score anything or say right, we right. just always end up at the consensus that this is a good beer. Sure. And I think we kind of half jokingly pulled a uh, Barstool sports gig one time. We'll give it like an 8.7 or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows the rules. Score. One yeah. one sip. Everyone knows. Yeah. The and that, we refer to the pizza, not the burgers. Um, oh, God. No, we don't need any beef-fed tomatoes <laughs> in our on our burgers. <laughs> Inside joke, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Some people will know that yeah. they're listening. But yeah. I... Again, I I think that uh, what stands out with this beer, it's it's super well balanced, but I feel I I get malt from it before anything else. I would almost. agree with that. Yeah, and I it says on the the label that it's what is it? citrus rides in the forefront. I, I I don't think that's accurate. I don't get citrus from this. No, not at all. I, I, mean, I don't really even I, smell. No, citrus. I just say because usually be, I make a habit. Now I'm like some kind of wine snob. I sniff mm-hmm. my beer before I drink it. It's kind of ridiculous, but you know some of the beers you get a really good aroma from it. Yeah, uh, I don't smell any of that. No, this this beer definitely doesn't have a very rich aroma. No, not at all. I mean it's tasty, no question, but it's uh, maybe the clarity of it. I mean maybe like the the deeper, the hazier yeah. the beer, the more of an aroma it's going to put right. off. Maybe I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there, but like. Uh, Fear Movie Lions, you smell it as soon as you crack the yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. And but, you can almost see floaters in that bad boy. I mean, there yeah, was some yeah. really, it was a hazy beer. Yeah. But this one, it may be, like you said, with the, the filtration, it just kind of yeah. kills the aroma of it. Yeah. But Definitely doesn't do much to the flavor. No. But again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling that whole citrus deal. No. It's, it's not real obnoxious. It's, uh, Super smooth. I mean, yeah. I've had other IPAs that I was a fan of that had a lot more bite than this does. Yeah, and it, again, really no aftertaste. It no. doesn't linger. No, nope. I, I don't know. They they have a, a general recipe down for their beers that. Yeah, and they just change out a couple ingredients. Just yeah, to, uh, and they could add add a couple of different flavors here and there, and yeah, and kind of change things up. But I mean, that's they. I don't think I've had a beer by Stone that I didn't like. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. So I far, really so good. I really can't think of one. And they got a really cool logo, man. Yeah. That demon head logo is pretty stinking cool. The, the gargoyle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a better analogy, the gargoyle. I think I'm that's, that's where it is. some I, kind of Satanism. <laughs> they, 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 they made a, a statement about it specifically not being the devil. Or something like well, that. Oh, good. That's a good call. I mean, it's a good call. It, it is cool, though. Whatever it is, it's neat looking. Who am I to say it's not the devil? Right. You know? But yeah, it, it's. I don't know. If you, if you mm. could get your hands on it, if you have the opportunity to buy it, just buy it. Because there's, there's really, you know. No, I was, yeah, it's pretty solid. I dig it. Yeah, if you see it on the shelf, man, don't hesitate. Uh, pull the trigger on it. It's, yeah. uh, it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, and and like I said, super well rounded, like nice amber color, like it's just mm-hmm. beautiful beer, and it kind of has that hazy head to it. Like yeah, that it's almost orangish. It has an orange tint to it. Yeah, I'm digging it. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah, good very stuff. good. But with that, maybe we'll get back to a little outdoor related talk. I don't know uh, 
which direction you want to take it. We, we, we discussed a couple things earlier. A little bit, yeah. You know what? It's kind of funny. Um, talking about the whole going from zero to how many kaidus can you fight yeah. um, in, the, in the last episode. I don't remember. It was a long time ago when uh, before there was Facebook Live, before YouTube had any kind of live stuff, there was an app called Periscope. Yeah. And you had a Periscope account. Yeah. And this is actually before we were even friends. I don't even remember this, but you were on a hunt somewhere, and I was just kind of sitting home one night, and you were in a tree, and I was watching it. And then later on, it dinged that you were on Periscope again, and you were surrounded by coyotes. Yes. <laughs> yep. I remember exactly <laughs> that. That was creepy, man. That was at that, that farm that I hunt. I think that it was that one, because there was, there was two different occasions at that farm that I had like real close encounters with coyotes. One of them was during turkey season and it was late turkey season mm-hmm. and i think that they perked up because i was calling yeah yeah, like yeah. right around dusk i was calling calling and man it was crazy and i have i have footage of it where it's it's pretty much dark but right the sound is just well that's how chilling. that situation was it was so dark you couldn't see anything but you can hear it yeah and all you hear is these coyotes going nuts all that around was, you that, that was, was during cool. archery season and that whole night was messed up because the coyotes were definitely circling the perimeter of the field, mm-hmm. and they kicked all the deer out of the field, and and they were at one point a deer bolted across the field randomly, and I was like, well, what is going on? And I was getting out of the stand, and I had a I had a camera out in the field on a stake, pointing back at me at a at like a, a mock scrape. Okay. And I walked out there, and I picked it up, and it was, it was kind of still light, and just because I I got down a little early because of how messed up it seemed, like yeah. it, things were just off there right, that right. night, and it, and then it got super foggy, and I was out there, and I was switching the card, and that's when it started, and I was just in this misty field at dusk <laughs> where I could barely see, and I remember just being like, oh my. God, it's the it was, stuff that nightmares are made was, out of, man. Seriously, it just chilled my blood. It was just, uh I just can't imagine being in a situation yeah, like that. It was half like, hey, check this out, and half, well, this is what happens to me if you find me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was pretty. That was pretty cool. I was on the edge of just becoming Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. just smashing the little glass, some bottle. glass on your knuckles, yeah, and go at it, getting ready to <clears> take <throat> down that alpha. Man, that would be that would be something. I'm telling you, yeah, that's that was funny. Yeah, I was listening to the last podcast and I started <laughs> laughing about it. I'm like, holy smokes, we really kind of got deep on that. But uh, yeah, 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 we, we we went over a couple things earlier. Um, you know, we kind of started looking at you know, and I guess rightfully so. In modern times, social media is a big uh, factor in in what we do and how we communicate as hunters, and uh, it's given us an opportunity to strengthen our numbers. I mean, it's given us a whole lot of great opportunities, but it's also kind of uh, shown a bit of a negative light, depending on you know who you're interacting with. Um, and one of those circumstances kind of popped up over the last week or so, and. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's even worth talk, discussing or talking about, but it, in a way it is, and in a way it's like, holy crap, we're getting on this, you know, thing again. But Yeah, and, and it's kind of because we've we've talked about this yeah. in, in the past, and it's hard not to, it's hard not to talk about it at yeah. the same, you know, at the same time because it's important. And, and yeah, yeah. To, tr- to try to convince other people that, it's important is one of those things. It's just, it all boils down to 
you're not going to change other people's minds. Right, right. Which is kind of a place we we need to create a mental shift as, you know, as hippie as that sounds, you know. Yeah, I don't think that sounds hippie at all. I mean, it, it, you know, and and there and I and I'm seeing more of a movement in that direction. Now, you know, and if if, if someone's listening to this podcast right now, first of all, thank you. Second of all, um, if this is the first time you're hearing us, you know, go back and listen to a couple other ones. Just pick a couple random ones because it's not going to take you long to understand where we're coming from and what our thought processes are on, you know, not what a hunter should be, but how we conduct ourselves as sportsmen, especially in modern times. Right. You know, it. there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in between the hunters and the anti-hunters. You know what I mean? And there's... And, those people could be easily swayed one way or the other. So there's a lot of anti-hunters out there that are creating all kinds of propaganda to sway those people, those individuals in their direction. And there's a lot of hunters who are doing the same thing to push them away. You know what I mean? And they're swaying people that direction without even realizing they're doing it. So in their defense, um, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there that conduct themselves in such a manner that it hurts all of us who are really trying to pursue that change to kind of pursue that sway you know what i mean to kind of change the direction where hunting is gone because i mean the way hunting's gone in the last decade or so even maybe a little further back is has been all positive but now it's starting to i don't know if it's getting get stale is the way to put it but i think that's a a very good adjective yeah it's starting to stall out so i mean i mean just from that, there are a couple different directions that you can go with it. And right. it's, I mean, the, the the first part of that is just being careful with what we're doing. Sure. Because you don't know who's watching. And that's the thing. Like, it's whatever you post. I know we've, we've been here before, but whatever you post is public. Yeah. And Like you, it or not. And you might think that, that this is awesome, but there's the... <laughs> There's that lack of self-awareness where you're mm-hmm. saying you're, you're just so – it's just so normal to you that you don't realize that it could be a different way to somebody else. Right. You, you know, so, and not everyone's going to interpret the things that you enjoy the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. We can, and it's we, just that little bit of self-awareness. That's that, it. Self-awareness you know, is the best way to put that, you know, because we, we, we kind of have to slow down a little bit. Because, you know, 10, 12 years ago, we were not really on the spectrum. You know right. what I mean? Hunters hung out with hunters. And if you're an anti-hunter or a non-hunter, there's a good chance you didn't really know a lot of hunters. Right. If you didn't grow up in a non-hunting family, you didn't know a lot of hunters, unless your Uncle Bob was a hunter or whatever. But, you know, and then at that point in time, whatever Uncle Bob did is what you perceived hunters as. So however Uncle Bob conducted himself was how you perceived hunters in general. So now that we're on such a spectrum like Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, you know, this social media, you know, influx, which is relatively new. I mean, it's very new. It's only a few years old when you think about it. Um, You know, it's still a bit of a... Trying to get this out without saying shitstorm, but yeah. that's exactly that's, what it is, yeah, you know. That's true. So it, you know, we have to be very cautious on on what we put out and and how we portray ourselves because it's not just about us anymore. 
it's well it's not about me anymore it's about us right you know so maybe i misspoke there um i mean, I mean when when you think about it why wouldn't you want to represent your community in a positive light right and and the really interesting part of that is understanding that certain things are not positive. Sure, sure. It's... And it's things that, like I said, seem normal to you. Mm-hmm. Or not not you specifically, but, you know, to a lot of us. The people who are listening to this are obviously outdoorsmen. Absolutely. Normally. Yeah. Uh, for typically, the most typically, part. yeah. I don't want to say that we're desensitized to, to blood and gore, mm-hmm. but there's that fine line... <laughs> That you can show people how much you know, do you know what I like? Well, there, absolutely. There's a point that you should not push it any further. No, and you're right. Like what we do can be a little gory and gruesome. I'm not going to candy coat it. You know what I mean? It's or sugarcoat it. What we do can be very um, unnerving for some people. You know what I mean? But that's just part of it. And, and when I say part of it, I mean part of everything that has you know led us to where we are. So. The way society has progressed, we can't just be like all real loosey-goosey with that stuff. You know right. what I mean? The fact, you know, it, it all comes around to how people perceive us. Perception is reality. A good friend of mine told me that a long time ago, and he's never been more right. You know, the way people perceive things is what they understand as it's the reality of what it is. You know, so if I start put filling up my Instagram feed, I start filling up my timeline, I start filling all that stuff with bloody deer and turkeys with their heads blown off and fish laying on the bank. You know, it, yeah. for me, I see that in the activity that I'm performing, you know, but I got to stop and think, is this what people who don't do what I do want to see? You know what I mean? Is that something that the people who are around me that aren't hunters, aren't fishers, is that what they want to see? You know, because they're going to see it. Because right. I have friends of mine who follow me on Instagram who are not hunters. People that follow me on Facebook that are not hunters or fishermen. They're not sportsmen at all. I have vegan friends. You know what I mean? And, you know, so I have to stop for a second and think, okay, when I put this up there, how is it going to be interpreted? You know what I mean? Right. So, and I mean, in that regard... If you pull away and look at the bigger picture, think about our little corner of the of the world. Yeah, that has not changed. Well, mm-hmm. it, I mean, we've progressed as far as being self sufficient. You know, wanting to you know still take from the land and sure, you know, be conservationists and that's it. Know, Stewards continue yeah, that. You, you know, yeah. you you want to use what's here. Now, consider the rest of the world and the way that's progressed. People who don't understand that. People yeah. who don't get out in the woods. People mm-hmm. who don't harvest their own food. Yeah. It's progressed. Tenfold. Yeah. Ten, a hundred, a, a thousand. Sure. A thousandfold. Progressed, degressed, however you want to look at right, that. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So we're sitting here <laughs> and essentially not socializing. We're sitting in our own bubble, breathing our own air mm-hmm. over and over and over. And we're doing the same thing and we're not opening up and we're not even being considerate to right, the rest right, of right. this population. You, ha- you have to bend a little bit 
on oh, 100%. And that's just that's just the reality of it. We if we want to keep doing what we like to do, we have to bend a little. Sure, sure. And you know, and I wouldn't even call it bending. I mean, you know, it's uh the okay, good good example of that is you see a lot of controversy over using the word harvest. Yeah. Okay. Some people are like, I don't harvest deer, I kill deer. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I get it. You know what I mean? It depends on the company you keep. You know what I yep. mean? Um, we're we're a small percentage. I think at on a good day, six percent of the United States are hunters. In North mm-hmm. America, never mind. I'm talking Canada, United States. We're at six, seven percent on a good day. All right. So we're a very small percentage of the population. So, you know, we have to be careful how we kind of project ourselves because we're you know it's real easy to go into a room full of hunters and have a conversation about conservation you know what i mean i almost messed that up (laughs) (laughs) have a conversation about conservation because they're all on the same page they're all in agreement right but when you're in a room full of people who have not experienced that you have to take a different tone you have to use different language you have to kind of change up um you know you know your vocabulary to, to for lack of a better term because those people are not going to react in the same manner as people who do what we do. You know what I mean? So you have to kind of, like you said, you got to bend a little bit. You just have to treat it differently. I hate to use the term kid gloves, but you kind of have to go that route. You know what I mean? And one of the better ways in that is introducing people through food. Because, I mean, the whole field-to-plate movement, the whole Mm -hmm. organic food movement, you know, that has, nothing has played more in our favor in the last 20 years than the whole movement of where does my food come from yeah you know what i mean and that's been a huge leg up for us because we've been doing that for millennia Uh, so yeah started yeah pretty much (laughs) so we kind of are we we've cornered the market on that you know and we kind of wrote the book there so you know that gives us a leg up so when you have an opportunity to talk to somebody about that man you can open up a gate you know what i mean and that helps with you know drawing somebody in who wouldn't previously consider hunting might go, you know what, man, that's a great idea. I can go right. buy a $20 deer tag and go get 70 pounds of meat. Are you kidding me? And they're like, sign me up. Yeah. And, you know, so you can open doors to not only get an understanding, but also to grow our numbers to kind of introduce somebody into what we do in the right way. So by, you know, conducting yourself in a very poor manner by you know showing all these pictures of you know just you know just bad stuff deer shot up and you know blood and gore and all that stuff i mean you know even in a closed forum where a lot of people in that group again are hunters it's again it's easier to talk to hunters about hunting you know what i mean but even in a closed forum you can really push that envelope and it can become a bit of a a, a, a dividing topic, you know, amongst even hunters when yeah. you kind of really cross that line. Yeah, it's a know? lot easier to go to a, a party with your friends sure. than show up at a party where you don't know anyone. Absolutely, absolutely. It, and it's the same it's the same principle. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. And right now we're all at the same party pretty much. That's with, it, that's yeah, it. We're we all gotta... connected all the time. We got to kind of start to branch out a little bit, but when we do branch out, it's how you how you approach it. I think that we really need to stop and focus on and kind of be considerate about how we do it. 
um, because it's needed. We need a bat. And, um, yeah. you know, every year the average age of the hunter goes up and up. Yep. You know, so um, – and the numbers go down. So it, it reason the, the numbers go up, uh, the ages go up, the average age increases is because the numbers are going down. Right. Uh, so you know we need a hand up in that you know department, but you know it's it's a lot more difficult to do when you're turning people away with a single photograph or a yeah. single post or yep. a, a single action. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was. I think it's important that we do talk about this stuff. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about using a platform in the right way and how we feel strongly about the direction that um, this whole genre is heading. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that earlier I, I, I don't want to say gave you a piece of my mind, but yeah. well, it, it, it's to the point where as a, I don't know. As as a creative, as as somebody who 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 looks at things a little bit differently, I mean, I it's almost like we're we're different to the point that we don't really mesh with the rest of the outdoor industry. And I and when I say we, I just mean the are the sons of the hunt platform almost. Yeah. And the reason that that kind of happens is because we're not that puzzle piece. We're not that same cookie cutter. Right, right. And <laughs> to really describe that is, I mean, you see people constantly talk about we're not growing. Our, our numbers are not growing. And it's like I said, we're sitting here just breathing our own air over right, and over. Right, right. That's a good analogy. <laughs> Everyone is on Team Outdoor Pro Staff TV painting their face, wearing the same camo, singing the same country yeah. songs, using the same stupid lingo, putting rages in cages, yeah. all that yeah. stupid nonsense that makes us sound uneducated. Yeah. And that's the straight out of it. And I, I, it just, it hurts that that we have made this persona for us. Yeah. And it, it just hurts us as a whole. Like, just branch out, do something different. And and don't chastise those that try. Right, right. You know, I mean, there's there's no point. Like, just be a, a decent human, and you know, contribute and sure. and support. You yeah, know? that's it. I mean, we're not the only ones kind of feeling this way. I mean, there's been a movement out there. There's a couple of, um, I hate to use the term celebrity hunters, um, yeah, but well, that's, that's the reality it of it. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to change that a little bit. Um, I'm a big Steve Rinella fan. I think he does a pretty good job of it. Um, a lot of, and, and they're more on the line, but they're more swayed towards us would be like the Heartland Bowhunter guys. I mean, they have a huge platform. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they do a pretty yep. good job of it. Um, yeah, where in the last segment you harvested a doe, you know what I mean? And there's yeah. section, there's some shows out there where I see somebody harvest a doe. That gets me excited. That gets me more excited yeah. about seeing them shoot a 180, you know, white tail because, that's the that's the reality of what we need to do. We have to keep that balance. So when you see like they call it doe patrol, I think it is on that's Heartland Bow Tron Bow Bo Hunter. You know what I mean? No. They go out and they shoot a bunch of doe. That excites me. That's one of my favorite episodes that they do all season. Yeah. So and one of my favorite things to do is to go out and hunt doe because I'll tell you what, man. Anybody who's been out there hunting, again, we're talking to hunters in the, in this respect. You know, trying to harvest a mature doe can be just as difficult oh, as yeah. trying to shoot 
a, a, a world-class whitetail buck. Yeah. You know, because they're just as challenging, they're just as wary, and they're just as difficult to, to kind of get in a precarious situation. And that the doe that I, I harvested in, in that, that video yeah. was one of the biggest doe that I've I've ever, you know, had the yeah. opportunity to shoot. Mm-hmm. I, I have a picture of it. I hope I still have it on my phone. I'll post it. I have my bow laying by the doe, and it fits inside of the front legs and back legs. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, a good. Was, that's a good doe, man. It was. It's just a monster. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that. That is. I, I'm just as proud of that as anything because that. It, it's like getting a, a mature buck to walk sure. right under your feet. Yeah, just because they don't have headgear doesn't mean they're any less smart. No, you know. And if you watch, if you actually watch the the that footage as those doe are walking in, she's the the lead doe. She'll mm-hmm. stop. You watch the one actually walks into the back of her. Yeah, I saw that. She yeah. kind of rested her head on her backside. Yeah, like, you know, just take a quick break. Yeah. But either way, I mean, that's – it's not easy. No, not know? at all. Not at all. And, again, and that falls under, you know, that's what triggers me to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a shot at this doe because she Doesn't came happen. in – Right. This is, this is a circumstance that I can't pass up. Yep. Just like, you know, you kind of regretted not shooting at that bigger deer earlier. Should have. Right, but that's the thing. You kind of regret it because you're like, you know what? That fell in my lap, yeah. And I let it go. You know yep. what I mean? It's, whereas that other doe, you said that doe happened after. Yes. So yep. that, that yeah. translates right into the whole yeah. decision making process. You know what I mean? You not let that let it happen again. Right. You let that yep. bigger buck walk, or not the bigger buck, but that bigger deer walk. I guess you right. could say bigger buck, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, you let that that deer walk, and then you're like, man. And then that doe walks under you. You're like, I'm not letting this one not slide. Not gonna happen again. Right, right. And that falls right back into how we learn from the decisions we make. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, yeah, man, we just got to be careful on on how we present ourselves, and not only be careful, but how we how we present ourselves, but to make an effort to present ourselves. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Introduce yourself to someone who may show some level of interest in what you do you know somebody finds out you're a hunter like oh you hunt really yeah i do and then you kind of grab onto that man and be like see what their level of interest is in it and maybe you can turn somebody into a new hunter you know you know what people love these days what's that challenges oh hell yeah these every kind of stupid challenge out yeah there. let me go run in the mud for 12 hours and dive under <laughs> some kind of dumb challenge or yeah. like whatever it is this is the challenge for this coming archery season. This is the archery challenge season. of our species right here, Deer man, season. is getting out there and hunting. But, yeah, I, I, I know where you're going with this, yeah. <laughs> I want to challenge everyone to, instead of posting a picture of a dead animal, post a picture of whatever you prepared. Post a picture of your food. Yeah. People <laughs> love pictures of food. That's the beginning of social media. That's oh, the first absolutely. thing everyone has ever posted. Oh man, I'm guilty ever. as that. I'm guilty as hell of that, man. I go out yeah, to a new it, restaurant. I'm like, this is a pretty banging looking dish. I'm putting this up on Instagram. <laughs> well, a as a chef or a cook, you love seeing that. Absolutely. Somebody take like you worked on that. Sure. It, it's 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 art, essentially. If you created something from nothing, and presented mm-hmm. it, it is art. I don't yeah. care if it's music, a film, painting, whatever, cooking. It it's all art. You're creating something, presenting it. Art. Yeah, I'm 100 percent on board with that. Yeah, that that is the 
Sons of the Hunt Challenge yeah. for the upcoming season. And we're gonna we're gonna stick on that. We're gonna have to come up S-O-T-H with something cool for that. Challenge. Yeah. yeah. Um we should come up with a hashtag for that. Hashtag S O T H challenge. All right. There it is. <laughs> but yeah, post a picture. Uh, I don't care if it's a fish. Yeah. I don't care if it's a squirrel on a skewer yeah, buddy. over a fire. I mean that that you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> prepare something and take a picture because of the key to everyone's hearts is to their stomach. I agree 100%. Everyone man. loves seeing pictures of food. I'm telling you, there's like probably about eight or nine uh, chefs that I follow on Instagram just oh, because yeah. I love looking at the plates they put out. Who, uh, who's the big one right now? Is it Michael Hunter? Yeah, Michael Hunter is awesome. Yeah. Oh, man, what a story that is. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Antler Restaurant. Out of, I don't know where it is in Canada. Is it Toronto, Canada or somewhere mm-hmm. in Canada? Mm-hmm. Um, Antler Restaurant, Michael Hunter. Go on social media and check this dude out, man. He's like a, a, a hero in the hunting world. But on top of that, he's preparing some off-the-charts. Oh, slammer stuff. Kind yeah. of dishes. Yeah, there's a couple people out there who really got it nailed down, um, and he's one of them for sure. But uh, yeah, you know, just we we just need to be a little bit more cautious on how we conduct ourselves. And uh, I I would say get out there and introduce yourself as a hunter and see if you can maybe sway somebody because there might be somebody out there that has just been dying. Joe Rogan is a fantastic example of that. He talked about hunting relentlessly mm-hmm. for I don't know how long and then he had Steve Ranella on his podcast and boom now he's one of the biggest sports spokesperson for hunting yeah in that type of media it's just because it, it, I, I I've thought about his situation a lot he he created this giant audience mm-hmm. that was for the most part closed off to hunting and it's it's awesome if you read through the comments anything that he posts uh, venison related. Yeah. Uh, he's always putting up elk steak Steve that Manella he's cooking. Related, John yep. Dudley related. Yep. Uh, Donnie Adam Vincent Green related. Tree. Yeah. You, you read through those comments and it, it there are just so many people saying, you know, I'm going to give this a try or I, I never thought, or I really wanted to do this and now I'm yeah. going to do it. It is just, that is, it's the coolest thing. Oh, that, that I agree. Just so awesome. The fact that he took the uh, bull by the horn, so to speak, and really ran with that um, and didn't give a rat's ass. He was yeah. like, I don't care. Because he he upsets a lot of his fans. Oh, yeah. He does. And he talks about it all the time that people just really give him a lot of hate on it, but he doesn't care because he believes in it and he yeah. sees the truth and the value in it. So, you know, a, a lot of props to him on that. But that's what I mean. He was somebody who wanted to do it. And once somebody recognized the value in teaching him, it became such a huge benefit to all of us because he he already had the platform there to really blow this up. Yep. So you don't know. You might have somebody that you work with at your office or somebody, a cousin, or somebody who's always kind of wanted to get into hunting and thought about it and uh, you know just didn't know where to start. When you give them an option, I mean, it's it's almost worth giving up a season or two of your own hunting seasons to to get somebody else out there um to give them an opportunity and maybe it it pays you back in in huge dividends you know what i mean it's that utilitarian you know altruistic situation you know 100 percent, man yeah but i don't know i I think it's time for us to get off our soapbox here because i keep hearing this wheezing and i just just realize it's aldo (laughs) he's snoozing underneath as he should be it's 
quarter after one. Aldo just <laughs> signified break time. Yep. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I, I'm I'm excited about this second half. I hope that people listen to it. I, I honestly don't even care about the first half. I hope people listen to the second half. Yeah, of the this it's turned out all right because you know a lot of things that needed to be said. I think we we said them. So yeah, I agreed, and and I mean I think there's a lot of people out there that feel this way. Um, yeah. But the fact that you have the platform to get this out there, I think it's it's important to utilize it properly and to get our point across. Like I said, we're not the only ones doing this. We're not the only ones who feel this way. Um, there's a, there's a, definitely a movement out there uh, if you pay attention. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it get into the whole trophy hunter thing, that's a whole other conversation. But it's a good conversation to have because there's benefits to all stages of that. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but maybe we'll get into that next one but you know uh I, I just use your head yeah yeah think about it do something positive mm-hmm. Post and let's see some of those game. dishes man yeah s-o-t-h challenge hashtag absolutely i love that all right that's gonna wrap it up for us we will see you on the next podcast thanks for listening again please if you're enjoying the podcast hit us up with a rating mm-hmm. we'd appreciate it it would mean the world to us and it would also help spread this message that we really need to that's it if you agree with what we're doing share it please uh get it out there because it helps us to expand the platform and get our message uh across the spectrum and uh and and you know what feedback throw us some ideas you know we don't seem to have too much of a difficulty coming up with them on the spur of the moment that's how we've been doing this since the beginning um but like i said we love to hear what you guys want to hear uh because you know it's just kind of uh you guys keep us going yep So that's going to wrap it up. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.